Our summaries this week contain two cases on appellate practice, both from the Arkansas Court of Appeals. In Frank House v. City of Russellville, Arkansas, 2023, ARC App 435, the Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed the Circuit Court dismissal order over denial of a rezoning request. The appellant did not continue on the administrative roadway from the denial and instead filed suit seeking injunctive relief to prevent the city from taking action, including potentially evicting appellant's tenants. The circuit court ruled that because there was no resolution of administrative remedies that it had no subject matter jurisdiction. The Court of Appeals, per Judge Gruber, wrote, quote, The doctrine of exhaustion of administrative remedies provides that no one is entitled to judicial relief for a supposed or threatened injury until the prescribed administrative remedy has been exhausted. The city had administrative remedies in place that Frank House could have pursued but did not. Rather, he circumvented the appropriate process by filing a lawsuit in the circuit court instead of following the city zoning code. In going straight to the circuit court regarding the notice, Frank House attempted to sidestep the statutory process by which the circuit court and, ultimately, this court would have been provided with a fully developed record rather than just the notice to vacate. The circuit court did not err in concluding that Frank House failed to exhaust his administrative remedies, which was grounds for dismissal. Even Frank House recognizes this when he acknowledged at the hearing that going to the BOA would be the normal thing to do. Frank House is correct that there are exceptions to the exhaustion of administrative remedies doctrine. For example, Exhaustion of remedies is not required when no genuine opportunity for adequate relief exists or when irreparable injury will result if the complaining party is compelled to pursue administrative remedies. Exhaustion of remedies is also not required when an administrative appeal would be futile. Frankhouse argues each exception on appeal. The city responds that Frankhouse's arguments were neither made nor ruled upon and are thus not preserved. It further contends that the requests for a declaratory judgment and injunctive relief are not independent causes of action, but rather they are essentially an appeal of the notice. The city also argues that Frank House failed to show a likelihood of succeeding on the merits or proof of irreparable harm in support of his request for injunctive relief. The city is correct that Frank House's arguments regarding the exceptions were either not made or not fully developed to the circuit court. Thus, our review is precluded. End of quote. End of decision. Burris v. Simmons, 2023, ARC App 432. The Arkansas Court of Appeals affirmed a summary judgment order denying a motion for grandparent visitation and reasoned that it was never terminated by insisting that guidelines be followed. On cross-appeal, the court considered the trial court's order, which granted a motion for extension of time to lodge the record, 35 minutes after it was filed. There was no objection until after the record was lodged. The order was valid and the failure to timely object was fatal. Judge Gladwin explained. Direct Appeal On direct appeal, the court affirmed the denial of grandparent visitation because placing restrictions on visitation did not mean it was terminated. Quote, 
The evidence establishes that Burris had a strong relationship with MC1 up until the time that she filed her petition for visitation, and it also shows that the relationship would continue if Burris would simply cooperate with the Simmonses. Burris failed to present evidence to show that visitation was altogether denied. Accordingly, we hold that the circuit court properly awarded summary judgment to the Simmonses. End of quote. The opinion explained the necessary proof. Quote, Arkansas's grandparent visitation statute includes a rebuttable presumption that a parent's decision to deny or limit grandparent visitation is in the best interest of the child. In order to overcome that presumption, a petitioner must show, among other things, that 1. The petitioner has the capacity to give the child love, affection, and guidance. 2. The loss of the relationship between the petitioner and the children is likely to harm the children. And 3. The petitioner is willing to cooperate with the custodian if visitation with the child is allowed. If there is a relationship in existence that, while limited, has not been lost, and if there is no evidence that the relationship would be lost were grandparent visitation not established by the court, a grandparent's petition for visitation is premature. Likewise, if the evidence shows that the grandparents would not cooperate with the parents, then court-ordered visitation is not warranted. Cross-appeal Here, the Simmonses had a mere 35 minutes to file a response to the extension motion. Their notice of appeal made the basis of their objection clear, and they specifically cited Kinder 2, 2022, ARC App 39, which had been decided after the extension order was entered, but before the Simmonses had filed their notice of appeal. The Simmonses argue that their lack of opportunity to be heard on the motion to extend the time to lodge the record is a jurisdictional problem that is not curable. C.E.G. Lancaster v. Carter, 382 ARC 181 at 182, holding that on remand for determination of compliance with Rule 5, the Circuit Court must determine whether the rule was complied with at the time the original motion for extension of time was filed and granted. They ask that we reverse the order extending time to lodge the record, which then means that the record was filed late and the appeal should be dismissed. We disagree. The order for extension of time to file the record in this case contains the requisite findings and, unlike the order in Kinder 2, is valid on its face. Kinder 2 is distinguishable in that when the case first came up for appeal in Kinder 1, the order extending time to file the record was facially invalid because it did not contain the requisite findings. Kinder 1, 2021, ARCAP 40 at 2. This court remanded Kinder 1 for the circuit court to make the requisite findings a fact, and on remand, the circuit court entered an order finding that all parties did not have the opportunity to be heard on the motion for extension. Kinder 2, 2022, ARCAP 39 at 3. This court went on to hold that 28 hours is not enough time to afford such an opportunity, but the Arkansas Supreme Court determined otherwise. 
In this case, the order for extension of time to file record contains a finding that all parties were afforded an opportunity to be heard on the motion for extension of time to file record. There is nothing in the record to show that this finding is clearly erroneous. Further, a circuit court is not required to hold a hearing before entering an extension order if there is an opportunity to respond in writing. Ashley, 2016, ARC 161, at 4. There were 100 days between the filing of the order for extension of time to file record and the lodging of the record in this case, during which the Simmonses had the opportunity to file a motion with the circuit court to raise whatever objection they might have had to the circuit court's findings. They failed to raise any objection to the findings in the order for extension of time to file record, and moreover, the Simmonses had the opportunity to file a motion to dismiss this appeal before the record was lodged with this court, but failed to do so. Only on appeal did they contest those findings without any facts in the record to support their argument. There is nothing in the record regarding the opportunity to be heard finding other than the order at issue and the timing of the filings. The timing of the filings alone does not clearly show that the facts in the resulting order are erroneous, and there are simply not facts in the record provided by the Simmonses to show error. End of quote. Arkansas Rule of Appellate Procedure Civil B-5, as noted in the opinion, states, A. The appellant has filed a motion explaining the reasons for the requested extension and served the motion on all counsel of record. B. The time to file the record on appeal has not yet expired. C. All parties have had the opportunity to be heard on the motion either at a hearing or by responding in writing. D. The appellant, in compliance with Rule 6b, has timely ordered the stenographically reported material from the court reporter and made any financial arrangements required for its preparation. And E. An extension of time is necessary for the court reporter to include the stenographically reported material in the record on appeal or for the circuit clerk to compile the record. End of decision.